playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. That's right. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip, and we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, episodes 20 through 22. We got a single parter to b- begin with here, which uh, I feel like with part four, you either get two parters that have the pretty standard like, we're fighting a stand. Mm-hmm. And then in between, you get the one parters, which just got crazier names, such as Yukako Yamagishi Dreams of Cinderella. <laughs> which is a thing that does not happen in this episode. No. She never even falls asleep. It all happens in the span of one day. Mm-hmm. It's it's a busy day for Yukako. <laughs> that that's oh goodness, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so so we start with the narrator telling us that Yukiko has been feeling down lately as as a train speeds by in front of her at, at the street level crossing. Mm-hmm. She's walking slow. She you know eyes down at the ground. There, there's little girls walking ahead of her who are talking about their crushes and stuff. And well, when she's Walking down the street, she sees, hey, here's Koichi hanging out with Josuke and Okiyasu at that, you know, that cafe that they everyone's been at a couple times in the series so far. The cafe where uh, she confessed her love yes. of all places. Yep. She she and Koichi briefly make eye contact and then she she just she gets spooked. She blushes. She just runs away. She's mm-hmm. ever since she tried to kill Koichi, it's been weird between them. <laughs> funny enough. <laughs> imagine that. Can you imagine? <laughs> Uh, so so as she runs away, she sees a sign advertising a, a relatively new business in town. Uh, it says, I'll do your makeup and you'll find love. <laughs> yeah. And and out bursts this bobblehead of a woman. She <laughs> <laughs> Tiny body, giant head, screaming about how uh, it finally happened. She's so happy. She's been proposed to. Her, her, her life has been made and it's all due to this makeover she got. Yeah. Like, I don't know when, like, I guess this lady got proposed to before going into the makeup place. Maybe her beautician is the first person she needed to tell. Okay, yeah. But th- this lady just says, like, a-, a V sign and it just fucking speeds off as Yukako looks into the- this business and, and sees uh, Miss Aya, who is the mm-hmm. beautician here. The only beautician. It's just, it's her business. Dr. Aya, thank you Excuse very me, much. She doctor. has a whole wall of diplomas yeah. and certificates. Yeah. And so, you know, she she sees Yukaka out there and she says, hey, what my science says is fucking true. You want to come in? Her whole demeanor is, is being very elegant, very poised, very cold. Like she, she is a yeah. model for a brand that you will never afford. Yes. Yeah. Also, Bazongas. Yeah, like the first full shot you get of her. This is, yeah, she's stacked. It's ridiculous. And the second shot is her, like, is like the, the doorway's POV welcoming Yukiko in. And all you can see of Dr. Aya is her chest protruding into the frame and covering a third of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, come, yeah. Come on, come on now. Yeah. Yukiko doesn't, she says nothing. She just like, she just goes fucking, she, she walks in. And as she's walking in, the, the camera pulls back to the other side of the road. And hey, we briefly see Kira walking by. Every episode should have like a little Kira peek, like, <laughs> like the observer in Fringe. Just, he, yeah. he just shows up and you got to make a game of spotting him. And so this this played in in last week's episode, the the episode where we we met Raimi and and Kira at the very end. Basically, anytime Kira appears, even for this very brief scene where he just sees Yukako going to this this beautician's uh, business, he's got a theme 
He's got like this little like staccato like string theme that mm-hmm. follows him all the time. It's very good. I it's, love his theme. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really good. So, so inside, Doctor Aya is like presenting the the foolproof science of of her her method of cosmetology. Her catchphrase, I guess, is just constantly sighing dismissively, even while insisting that she's very passionate about this. Yes. So there's a difference in the English and Japanese dubs. In the Japanese subtitles, she apologizes and she says that she is she is very passionate, but she has low blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as in the English sub, I think she's just like, oh, don't, you know, don't worry. Re- I'm reassuring you. I, I do care about this a lot. <laughs> but it's a perfect counterpoint to Yukiko, who is uh, uh, constantly, like, hostile. Yeah. She's got anger problems. Yeah, yeah. She She's at the, the halfway point between her, her mood swings in the Yukiko two-parter, which averages out to just being a jerk constantly. Yeah, she's, she's just pissed she's she's not a nice person to be around right now <laughs> yeah i aya sits uh yukako down uh in front on a chair in front of a mirror and hands her a menu she says like you know hey the name of my business does what it says and and this menu has like pretty cheap prices for all these different things but like one of the things on the menu is like one of the more expensive ones is the marry a, a celebrity makeover yeah that that is the top ticket item yeah that's not just like a turn of phrase or something. That's like, if you get this, you will marry a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure it's one of the good ones, okay? Yeah, you know. The- if you get that, you got to plan your whole day so you don't get too close to a TikTok house. All right? You're going to get <laughs> sucked in, and then you're trapped there. You should, if, if that happens, you should go back and get like a, a free coupon to change celebrities. <laughs> Oh, God, I hope I get one of the good Chris's. Oh, no, it's the no. shitty Chris. Oh, God damn it. We find out that the secret is all rooted in the science of physiognomy. Physiognomy is the belief that a person's personality is manifested in their physical appearance. Like, yeah. And if you've read a book by Charles Dickens and you, you, you realize that all the evil people are super ugly. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody has like handsome noble features, mm-hmm. uh, no matter their station, they're a, they're a really good guy. Then you understand physiognomy. Yep. But, but her theory is that it goes the other way around. By changing the face, you can become a better person yeah you could go you gotta get out of here she's a fucking phrenologist one of those books on the shelf is the bell curve you've got yep. to go here, uh-oh here come the calipers watch out <laughs> your skull's getting measured fucking get out of there and so yukiko is diagnosed with unacceptably angry eyebrows yeah 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 her her eyebrows are too fierce her eyes are are slanted the wrong way they just make her look bitchy she's got resting bitch face we gotta fix it aya insists that surely these features have chased a boy away in in your life and yukiko's like no nuh-uh never (laughs) i chase them away myself my eyebrows have nothing to do with it I just threatened to strap them to electrical chairs if they study bad. <laughs> also, I built it myself. I know how to do that. She's industrious. She's handy yeah. around the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's someone to settle down with. <laughs> Maybe separate bedrooms, you know, just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Aya is typing away at her computer, apologizing that she's not the greatest at Photoshop yet, but she's showing Yukako what her face could look like. And it mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. almost like that Lisa needs braces Simpsons gag. <laughs> <laughs> Just not as grotesque, but it, it it's flipping Yukako through a bunch of different 
faces and she's like calibrating the new look in and so there's different shots of her like with really fucked up eyes or gigantic eyebrows shooting off the sides of her face but but she insists that this is a completely non-surgical solution it's just some makeup application and massage and that is one hell of a massage yeah (laughs) most people try like plucking or waxing but Mm -hmm. you're just gonna rub the eyebrows really good So, yeah, like the, the new look Yukako she settles on is it's just her, but hey, her eyebrows are just like arched a little differently and just slightly up and her eyes are wider, mm-hmm, <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just, a le- just a little bit less cranky looking, really. And Yukako still doesn't buy this whole service. So Aya offers to, well, you know, you know, you can do this and you can come back for a full refund if you want. And it's yeah. only going to last for 30 minutes. Find love in 30 minutes or less, or it's free, yep. just like any pizza place offers me. And you know what? <laughs> I find love every time. Oh, yeah. Yukako's just like, well, okay, fine. You know, it's it's only a, th- a thousand yen. It's not that pricey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Aya just says like, okay, close your eyes. Don't fucking open your eyes. And and puts <laughs> like a little, uh, you know, smock over Yukako. And then, surprise, surprise, Aya has a stand that appears this stand is the titular Cinderella. Yep. And it looks like a robot with boobs made from citrus juicers. <laughs> yeah. It it looks like a robot that doesn't have any of his armor plating on yet. It's very like skeletal looking. It reminds me of the feeling in childhood seeing beauty supplies for the first time and <laughs> feeling like they're alien artifacts. Yeah, yeah. Like, what does an eyelash curler look like to a five-year-old is the sort of like yeah. feeling that Cinderella raises. Cinderella also just floats. It Like, from the waist down, there's nothing. It has no legs. But the, the stand raises up its, its hand and goes in for some type of karate chop. <laughs> and we cut to black. And now Yukako's just walking around outside. Her face looks just oh so slightly different, hoping that maybe, will this actually happen? Can I find love now? And then, like, immediately, Koichi bumps right into her. Yes, they they literally run into one another because Koichi was looking for her because he was worried she might be feeling down. She she ran off. He wanted to check and make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. With this new confidence behind her she she manages to get some words out and invites him to go sit and talk and he accepts and they go to a different cafe from the one he was at like 15 (laughs) minutes ago maybe that cafe feels like bad luck now (laughs) in a non-jojo's context this would just be like a michael secret stuff story you know like the the power was in you all along. You you just needed the the magic sunglasses from Big Daddy to feel <laughs> comfortable enough to actually talk to the boy. Yeah. But because this is JoJo's, I assume someone is going to lose an organ or two in some grisly manner before we're done. <laughs> yeah. They're they're sitting down at this other cafe. They're getting these big banana Sunday thingies. Yukako is overjoyed with herself. We, there's many times throughout this episode where we're just hearing her, her inner thoughts. Every time we get her inner thoughts, we get a frame of her drawn essentially in like Art Nouveau style. Yes, absolutely. With the, the golden frames and the, all the curly cues around her and stuff. Like, And it's usually her in a profile. Like, It's so Art Nouveau. The, the like supplementary materials specifically name Alphonse Mucha, yep. who is the like defining Art Nouveau mm-hmm. guy. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yukako is just so ecstatic that oh my god this is working I you know this is I I feel like you know I'm in love uh, I think she says he's so cute small and determined <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think is what she says about him she also says quote that physiognomy stuff works wonders no stop it quit it <laughs> no Mm-mm. this is a magic stand baby this is ghost powers doing this and not the basis for scientific racism in the 20th century. No. No, quit it. Quit it. Everything's going good. You know, Koichi's, you know, having a good time with her. But then all of a sudden, Koichi's got the shits. <laughs> well, before that, th- this date is going so, so well, though, in part because Koichi is a little clum- clumsy boy. He's a little oh, stumble yes. bum. He spills his his ice cream sundae, and and as they both reach out to to stop it from uh, uh, making a big mess, there is accidental hand holding, (gasps) and Yukiko thinks this must be what heaven feels like. And yeah, we're get, we're also getting a lot of the shots we got in the previous Yukako focused episodes that are very you know shoujo like bubbly, sparkly. And then the clock strikes four. Yeah, and Koichi feels some tummy trouble coming on. Yep, he's he's lactose intolerant now. It sucks. I guess every restaurant in town makes your guts explode. <laughs> yeah, please hire a health inspector, please. Oh, God, there's got to be a stand that's good for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's it has been half an hour since the makeup was applied. Koichi is run off now. He he's got to poop real bad, and Yukako immediately like freaks the fuck out. Is like shrieking at God, "Why the fuck did that happen? What the fuck?" And then super pissed off, goes back to Aya, and she's like, "I told you, it's thirty minutes, man." I love how angry she is on the walk. She nearly dies crossing on yes! a red light. Yeah, she's just fucking power walking through everything. And shouts at uh, the, the driver who's like, honk, honk. Hey, lady, what's your problem? Hey, I'm, I'm driving here. And she screams, stuff it up your ass. It's not my fault. The freaking light turned red. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many bits in this part that are way funnier in the English dub. The people writing the dub script love to punch up Yukiko, and they do an amazing job with yeah. it. Also, her voice actress is really good going back and forth between like the softer, like feminine voice, and like the really pissed off voice mm-hmm. that's like really growly and, and angry. It's really funny. So, so back at Doctor Aya's, yeah, she she would like to speak to the manager. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been you know she reminds Yukiko, hey, it's been fucking 30 minutes like oh you found love right okay well pay me more money and you know we can we can get this going for longer this is laying bare the implied promise of the whole like uh uh, makeup industry right like Mm -hmm. they explicitly promise a lot of other things you know confidence and and being your best self but the unstated promise that's always there is yeah attracting people (laughs) yeah Aya is sitting sit, sitting in a chair holding the, the book Cinderella, which mm-hmm. appears to be much thicker than I think Cinderella is. It's a really, like, psychological, in-depth uh, retelling. Okay, yeah. We explore the, the rich inner life of Drizella. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Aya, Aya is telling Yukako that, like, hey, you know, Cinderella got bullied a bunch in the story, but she had a pure heart, and that's why she found great love and... You know, if you want something good to happen, your heart has to be good, too. Mm-hmm. So can you fucking <laughs> fix that part of yourself? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of massage you're giving that can make people consider it, but 
you know, sometimes I think maybe I need one too. I'm sorry. I should be a better friend. I <laughs> I is saying, you know, it's it's not just physiognomy. You gotta fucking it's your personality too, girl. Aya talks about how when she was a little girl and she, you know, she first was was told the story of Cinderella, she wasn't identifying with Cinderella at all. She was fucking into the fairy godmother. That's who she wanted mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. She wanted to make other people's lives better via magic. <laughs> <laughs> and then she either developed a standard, got shot with an arrow. Like, we don't know Dr. Aya's backstory, at least in this episode. Yeah. And so she... Uh, yeah, what yeah, does she do? Uh, man. What does okay, she do? So she's like, I want to bring happiness to people just like the fairy godmother. You know, I'm going to make an exception and, and help you this time because you are so pretty and I like you, but I'm going to have to change a lot about you. And then she puts her finger up on Yukako's lips and runs it down and pulls her shirt down a bit to see a mole on her boob. And then she squeezes both of Yukako's boobs. And this is when you walk out. This is when you leave. This is when you say no, thank you. <laughs> this is when you. This is when thirteen thousand red flags are going up all at once, and you got to <laughs> fucking get out of there. She's got a ghost power too. This is bad. Get out of there. Uh, uh, and this is part of you know Doctor Aya pointing out all of the things that she should change. And like, if Yukiko gets a bigger rack, then Koichi will never be able to see her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to stand eight feet away to just look into her eyes. I love my giant wife, but I don't know what she looks like anymore from the chest <laughs> up. I'm constantly in shadow. <laughs> hey, hey, Koichi, uh, uh, do you like my new eyeliner? Uh, can you put on a sports bra so I can see it, please? <laughs> oh, my God. Aya says, I'm going to have to do a makeover for your entire body. I, the Japanese subs are, I need it to become a body that can get love. so she walks over to this little like makeup display case and she pulls out the this lipstick it's very special lipstick a body that can get love is my favorite (laughs) 1994 r&b hit yeah i can hear it already right now it played in a david cage game Uh, (laughs) so this lipstick is makeup that will refresh the rest of Yukako's makeup, like, powers, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she has to apply it every 30 minutes, except for when she's asleep. Very convenient. Mm-hmm. And so if she can remember to do this regularly, she will have, you know, her true love for the rest of her life. Yes. 24 hours of this lipstick is 72,000 yen. <laughs> Yikes. But there is no price too high to win Koichi's love forever. So yeah, she just slams that cash down on the table and climbs up on the makeup bench. We have not described the makeup bench. Mm-hmm. It's a full reclining seat, like like a, a dentist chair, sort of. Yeah. But there is a uh, parabolic row of like spotlights. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like the rig that they use for, for bullet time in the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, but instead of cameras, it's just spotlights. Yeah. And now they are all turned on to illuminate uh, uh, Yukiko's body. She's just like wearing a towel like she's going for a massage mm-hmm. underneath all of these these screens that we saw used for like, OK, I'm going to make <laughs> I'm going to do a 10 degree bend in your eyebrows and, and that'll do it. <laughs> so she's covering her, her eyes and man, Dr. Aya loves her canvas. Uh, mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, boy. Dr. Aya's a little weird. I might want to call the cop yeah. in Dr. Aya, 
perhaps. Yeah, the whole Morio Chamber of Commerce, all of these small business owners <laughs> are fucked up weirdos that yeah. love their job too much. Yeah, she she's about to uh, use Cinderella on, on Yukako, and, and her stand pops out, and Yukako opens her eyes and goes like, I fucking knew it, I knew it, you got a ghost. And she strangles Dr. Aya. Yeah, with her with her stand hair. Which is how you get the best service. That's the reason my car <laughs> is always first in line for tire rotation. They, they see me coming. Yep. <laughs> oh, shit, it's him again. Get all the cars out of the garage. Get them all out. Fuck them. Yeah, Yukako's kind of strangling Aya a bit here and says, like, you know, I knew that you had a stand. I knew this is how this worked. But it's just like, okay, I just wanted to confirm that. Now I know. I still trust you, though. It pulls her hair back. Okay, fuck me up. <laughs> so so now we see sort of how Cinderella works. Yeah. Inside each of its hands, there there's a little slot that can contain new... Uh, uh, features yeah and so this karate chop is uh uh just knocking out the old features and replacing them with the new yeah so you see a shot here of yukako like random strips of skin from her body are popping off in like rectangles and they're like, yeah you just yeah. see black like it, it, as if she's just hollow inside she kind of looks like a sliding tile puzzle made yeah. of skin yeah now there's like new bits of skin like just materializing out of the air and going through the slots of cinderella's hands and when they come out the other end they have like the new features like printed on them almost Mm -hmm. and then they get slotted into yukako a really cool really cool imagery kind of creepy quite creepy it's very creepy yeah if you thought heaven's door was creepy you're gonna think this is creepy yeah also the sound effects for cinderella dune it's like karate chop skin replacement stuff sounds like a transformer transforming Mm -hmm. (laughs) yukiko has the the full uh she's been given the full money uh uh, she's all topped up on beauty juice Mm -hmm. uh with, with her uh lipstick for maintenance and as she goes out she meets Koichi again because at the restaurant they they swapped bags and mm. and they they have each other's stuff and he's gotta gotta straighten that out. And to me, Yukiko Yamagichi looks exactly the same as she did before this episode starts. <laughs> Am I missing something? <laughs> no, she looks basically the same. The only difference is that she's smiling now, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. it's all a placebo. Like yeah, Cinderella is doing real things allegedly like i don't think the stand is fake but i i'm pretty sure it, it is all coming from just the placebo effect that, yeah. that is the lesson we're learning from this episode yeah so when koichi sees her walking down the sidewalk she, you know he's fucking seeing her in slow motion and shit and he's just like in awe of her beauty he's just like oh hey uh we switched you know we switched bags okay here you go and then he he's so stricken by her beauty that he can't stand to be around her almost he's just like running away <laughs> his face flush and she she asks him to stop and just like you know hey look at me do do you feel anything when you look at me? And when she says this, she's striking this fucking shoujo ass pose. The the wind is perfectly blowing her hair. There's glitter falling off and sparkles falling off of her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just when you think she's about to seal the deal, in comes the worst wingman of all time, <laughs> Rohan Kishibe. <laughs> and yet another outfit. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to his introductory outfit, but in a new color palette. Yeah. 
Rohan switches outfits like every fucking episode. Yeah, Rohan is there and he's immediately pulling Koichi off to the side. Rohan's like going to the mall to take pictures of stuff. Yes, yes. And he he wants help taking a bunch of reference photos of things, just generally things. He's just yanking Koichi away and Koichi's just like, okay, yeah, sure. And Yukako gets really pissed off. She runs the nearest pay phone to call up Aya and go like what the fuck is going on and like meanwhile Koichi is introducing Rohan to his family big mistake yeah, no it's a bad mistake but his mom immediately goes like oh you're that manga artist so please protect them from the creepy get, man get yeah get him away <laughs> there's no positive outcome to this so so on the phone Dr. Aya is like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, you're saying there wasn't an immediate reaction hmm is there something in your past between you two <laughs> uh, perhaps some light kidnapping maybe the threat of electrocution that might explain this mm-hmm. again this is in the the Japanese subs but when Yukako calls Aya up she asks didn't you make my body perfect for love <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Hold on. You're 16 or something. Let's. But yeah, I is saying that, like, you know, it's everything's set up perfectly for you. The problem is Koichi's mind is still resisting you right now because something Mm -hmm. you got history already, apparently. So you just got to work on it more. Just just keep at it and the tables will turn in your favor. And, yeah. and then uh, Yukiko hangs up and says, the tables will turn in your favor? My ass they will. I'll butcher that bullshitting beautician. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice alliteration there, Yukako. I love it. It's good. Yeah. She just learned that in school. She She's also reminding Yukako, make sure to keep putting that lipstick on or everything mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to get all fucked up. So Yukako's just kind of following where Koichi is going. And everybody's going down to the Kameyu. Oh my god, every every character. So so Rohan's going for uh, his reference photo adventure. All of uh, uh, the, the Hirasei family are going for, like, shopping, I guess, and, and to hang out with this local celebrity. Yep. Uh, the Joestars are there. <laughs> yep, fucking old man Joseph is there with the invisible baby. They got to go to the mall for some fucking reason. Josuke's coming along. They're all at the mall. It's 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 a busy fucking day at the mall, man. Mm-hmm. And so ro- the flashbulbs from Rohan's uh, uh, reference photo adventure are scaring the baby and turning him invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is this baby still with them? Maybe the baby's parents don't want to be found. Have you considered this? Yeah. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. Both Josuke and old man Joseph are like, oh, fuck, the baby's going to go invisible. Everyone in the mall is going to become invisible. And so they are running, desperately trying to push through this thick crowd of people to get out out of the mall and get this baby to calm down. And their panic is becoming contagious and and starting a crowd trample. And so (laughs) it's it's hectic. It's very dangerous, especially since about one in three, one in four Morioans are tiny baby people. (laughs) Yep. And Yukiko rescues Koichi from this fatal trample as the world becomes a pink mist around them. Yeah. Koichi gets gets like shoulder checked by old man Joseph, which sends him flying in the direction of, of Yukako. Yeah. In in slow motion, they they lock eyes, realize they're in love, and the violins kick in and in slow motion they kiss. And by kiss, I mean Yukako is fully lifting Koichi. Two, two feet, feet off the ground in the air. <laughs> because he, she is so tall and he is so tiny. 
This is my relationship, everybody. <laughs> so many people who are into size difference are looking for nine feet women. <laughs> but maybe you just want to be a four foot boy. Have you considered that? It's easier that way. I mean, <laughs> as they're kissing, like, it, you know, the, the still frame fades into a more detailed still drawing of, of this moment. Mm-hmm. We get our, our little uh, interstitial card of, of Cinderella. And as we cut back into the action, it's, it's school the next day. Koichi says, maybe my favorite line of his, uh, uh, it's a contender for sure. Don't freak, but Yukiko and I kind of made out. <laughs> Yeah, and the oh, this this scene is so funny. Well, Josuke is like sipping on a juice box or whatever, and after a moment, he nearly falls out of the third story window. Yeah, it, the the timing is so good because he doesn't say okay or react or anything. He's just staring straight ahead, sucking on this juice box, and then just tilts backwards. <laughs> Oh, man, it's so fucking funny. And he only survives because he uses a crazy diamond to grab the window. (laughs) So Koichi is talking about uh, uh, all these new feelings and experiences. And anytime he talks about Yukiko, uh, uh, he's drawn so much more soft, like even feminine. Yeah, he you know what? And though I notice in those specific bits, he almost looks like the way he was originally drawn in the manga. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where he looked way more like a speed racer character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Okiyasu is also sitting in this open windowsill, but he's been facing out the entire time, which helps him hide his geyser of tears. <laughs> <laughs> and Josuke is being a bro, and he's just like, this is pretty weird and shocking, but if you're into it, fucking power to you, dude. I support mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Good luck in your new your new relationship. But wait, what's this? <gasps> Yukiko won't see him? <gasps> Why for? <gasps> yeah, it's it's been two days and Koichi hasn't seen seen Yukako anywhere and she won't answer his calls or, or anything. And so now I'm thinking like, okay, we've met Hand Guy. We know about like this reign of terror. And the stories are still about pulling small-time scams and having first kisses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Koichi is, is, is basically going to his friends asking for help, but they're like, this sounds like a relationship thing that you got to handle on your own. But if there's something weirder going on, we will absolutely help. And Okuyasu says this by punching his fist against his open palm, almost saying, like, we'll beat up your girlfriend if she goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what a bro is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So so Koichi is walking walking home from school, I suppose, and runs into Yukiko, but out of uniform, which I guess counts as a disguise because we've never seen her wear anything else. <laughs> yeah. She's got a big old hat. Uh, you know, with this look in the hat and how tall she is with the long hair, she almost looks like a cryptid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I forget the name of that one cryptid, that Japanese cryptid that's just... That's just a super tall lady with long black hair that's been, like, really popular on the internet recently. But she kind of looks like that. Can't imagine why. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hmm. So so once again, when I say they bump into one another, they actually bump into one another. Yeah. Koichi thinks, hey, that's the lady that wants to smooch me and, and calls out her name. And she insists, no, you're thinking of someone else. That That's not me. We see she got some nasty sunken eyes in yeah. like deep gray voids instead of, you know, sclera 
like, like most people have yeah. in their eyes. Her eyebrows are just like gone. Mm-hmm. No eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, she insists like, hey, uh, sorry, that, that's, that's someone else. And Koichi's really confused, but he's like, okay, my mistake. And he, he leaves. And Yukako, you know, begins gritting her teeth and crying. And she's so upset at this, at her fate. Like, why the fuck isn't the makeup, you know, continuing to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just decides, Welp, it's time to kill Aya. And she starts like <laughs> angry stomping towards her business. Yeah, that right there is a dead woman. That's what we call a dead doctor. Yeah. She bursts in, like kicks the door down and starts screaming like, why the, you know, why is this happening? And as she's doing mm-hmm. this, her, you know, because her eyes and eyebrows basically got replaced by Cinderella. Yeah. As like a, as like a, kind of like how certain action figures, like Figma figures, have like inter- <laughs> inter- interchangeable eye plates. It's uh-huh, like uh-huh. that. It's like her eye plate just dissolved off of her face. Yes. And like her real eyes are underneath, but it's like the rest of her face is like half an inch higher than her eyes which are set in yeah yeah the the creepy eyes that we just mentioned made by cinderella but clearly not maintained properly by the lipstick so so they turn creepy those have just crumbled away and dissolved so now yeah there there is this little trough of a window back into what appear to be her normal ass eyes yeah which really confuses me because that is not how the plot treats the situation it's certainly what it looks like Mm -hmm. at this moment yeah and so yeah, it's Yukako just fucked up. She didn't apply the the lipstick every thirty minutes. She she got the timing wrong at some point. Uh, and Aya is just like, despite that Aya was grabbed by the neck by Yukako's hair and thrown like into the operating table essentially, which then got mm-hmm, crushed mm-hmm. by the the force of her being thrown into it. <laughs> she's just like, you fucked up, girl. Like it's not my problem. And and in the action, there are more close-ups onto Yukiko's face so that the eyes that are revealed are not indeed her real eyes. Uh, yeah. uh, her, her eyebrows are all fucked up. She just has, like, points of eyebrows that, mm-hmm. that are very thin. Uh, she has very heavy eyelids, uh, uh, especially toward the, the outer corners that just yeah. look, like, lumpy and bleh. Yeah. Aya is talking about... You know, okay, so you didn't you didn't do this make this makeup stuff right. So Yukako's she looks at her hands and her the skin on her fingertips are like dissolving away and mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. her fingerprints are essentially just like burning away. She has no fingerprints now. Time to rob a bank. Oh yeah. Aya's explaining how like, man, you're you're a really angry person. I should not have helped you. <laughs> uh, and she she starts describing how even while she's being attacked and, and threatened with death, she's still like half asleep from her tone of voice. <laughs> yeah, she starts explaining to Yukako that like, hey, your face and palm prints are going to not exist anymore. the uh, The original eyes, those are gone. Like you're just mm-hmm. that this weird fucked up face you got now is what you're gonna have. And as she's explaining this, the like eye plate portion of her face is getting overlaid with like a castle that's crumbling (laughs) and this whole time i'm thinking you could just draw people different though you don't you don't need to come up with a whole four or five chapter manga story to explain why you want to draw yukiko a little different (laughs) her original eyes are just gone forever and cinderella can't bring them back as as this is being explained oh hey koichi's here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he walks in calling out her name looking for her and yukako's just like no that's you know i'm not the person you're looking for 
also, hey, I don't think men are allowed here. Can you kick him out, please? <laughs> and Koichi's just like, like he knows it's it's Yukako. It's just like yeah. I could tell by how bitchy you are, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Only one person screams at people like that. It's my girlfriend. <laughs> like all fairy tales, there is an impossible task set before our heroine mm-hmm. uh, uh, by by the magical figure. She, she's gone from fairy godmother to Rumpelstiltskin, basically. Yeah. Uh, in order to to save herself, she must choose her true face. From this wealth of of options, mm-hmm. uh, and if she chooses her her actual eyes, then everything will revert back to normal, and it's all water under the bridge. And we've learned a valuable lesson. If you choose <laughs> the wrong face, heaven help you. Yeah, and so Cinderella like dispenses a couple dozen eye plates just floating in the air surrounding Yukako. And Yukako, like, starts hyperventilating, basically. Yes. (laughs) All these eyes are so similar, but slightly different. I was saying, like, you know, if you you pick the wrong face, this is basically going to be facial features that don't fit you correctly. And it's going to become an ugly face that alters your fate forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, you will have bad fortune for the rest of your life. Yeah, she is, Yukako is just hyperventilating she cannot choose there's so many choices and so she comes up with a plan she demands that koichi choose yeah that way it'll be a face koichi can love oh and aya is thinking to herself like haha this is all a trick her real face isn't anywhere among these choices (laughs) she just needs to realize that none of these are her face so now Koichi is faced with the impossible task of finding a needle that is not in this haystack. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's looking over them and, and feeling the weight of this responsibility. And he has a plan as well. Oh my God, this is insane. This is an insane plan from this little boy. He appreciates Yukiko for what's on the inside. <laughs> you know, the, the vengeful rage monster. <laughs> Maybe Koichi's one of those types of guys that, one, kind of likes angry women, but also is one of those types of people that's just like, you know what? I can fix that. I'm a good boy, and it's going to rub off on her. If anybody could, but I'm not sure it's possible. Yeah. And so he says, hey, make me blind. Yeah. I like you for the personality that would resent me so badly if I uh, make the wrong choice that I'd be better off blind. Are you listening to yourself? Go smooch a ghost. Mm -hmm. She's waiting for you. Go. Raimi seems she's a ghost. You can't really go places with her too much, but... She's really cute, and she's really friendly, and she's got a cool dog. Okay, so after our last recording, I went uh-huh. to, to AO3, Archive of Our Own, and you want to know <laughs> how many fics I found tagged that had uh, uh, Koichi and Raimi together? How many? Zero! What? Zero! What the fuck? I found more that, that uh, had Koichi and Yukiko together than had Raimi in them at all. All. oh my god that's by like five it's v- a very close number <laughs> mm, that that's shocking to me actually people are letting me down yeah i guess we know what we got to do now <laughs> you you know uh what has almost twice as many fix as uh, uh koichi and yukiko huh polnareff after all whoa so, so i can call them sometimes i like Polnareff Abdul makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Right? Especially with all the, like, guilt over Polnareff feeling guilty for letting Abdul die, quote-unquote. All right, yeah, that makes sense. 
Is there a lot of stuff about Rohan? It feels like there would be a lot of stuff. For There's Rohan. a lot of stuff about Rohan. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. The top ships for Koichi. Number one by miles, Yukiko. Okay. Number two, Rohan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, followed closely by a, a thruple with the bros. Whoa. And uh, Koichi slash reader is pretty much tied <laughs> with that. Koichi reader. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> You meet a tiny little guy, and he likes you. <laughs> hey, check it out. This is pretty cool. <laughs> so so hearing uh, uh, Koichi demand that, like, if if I uh, choose wrong, then blind me, because I know Yukiko would resent me so much for, for giving her the unlucky face that I mm-hmm. dare not look upon it, and this is... <laughs> And this is a sign that we're starting from a healthy place moving forward. <laughs> this gesture strikes Dr. Aya so much that she's like, you know what? I'm going to do these guys a solid. Mm-hmm. Koichi picks a face that, as we know, is not the right face. It couldn't possibly be the right face. But Aya fudges it and plugs in the right face all the same. She, yep. she uh, puts her finger on the scales again, but on the other side this time to, mm-hmm. to ensure a happy ending. Yeah. They're ecstatic that her face is right, and and I is just thinking to herself like that would be this would honestly be a real dick move mm-hmm, <laughs> to, to mm-hmm. fuck the, these kids up this much. So she she walks away from Yukako and Koichi as they're like holding hands, like you know, so happy together. And she just basically she basically tells Yukako like you know how to pick your your man, and the the frame transforms into a big Art Nouveau piece. Mm-hmm. of Yukako and and Koichi in love. There's a little heart design in the background where the heart is being held up by Act 1 Echoes. <laughs> uh, and we get the little narr- the, the narrator popping in th- and th- at the end, just kind of like reintroducing the business, <laughs> like doing a sales pitch. You think this is the narrator or you think this is an ad read on the radio station? Oh, yeah, this is, this is Harada on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that is the end of the episode. There, this is another one that's so packed, there's no opening or closing credit sequence. Yep. And the, the moral of the story is that small business owners are here to make your life better, but they're not going to make it easy on you. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to episode 21, Yoshikage Kira Just Wants to Live Quietly, oh, part boy. one. Fucking strap in, folks. <laughs> So we begin with a bird's eye view, looking down at Morio through the clouds as, yet again, the morning radio uh, uh, show does its its ident chimes. Mm-hmm. While Kira is just clipping his nails at home, uh, about to eat a full breakfast with his new hand friend. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a whole... Again, it's it's just like the meal he made in the very first scene of the very first episode. It's bacon and eggs like a, a much more western breakfast than usual for uh, Japanese people. And before it's it's time to eat, he pulls out a little box that's got a ring in it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, hey honey, I I've, I've got something for you and he he slips this ring on on the wedding band finger. Yeah. I mean, it's only one hand. She she doesn't have a lot of options on which finger, but still. Yeah. And he so he slips this this ring on. He's w- 
far too satisfied <laughs> with this. <laughs> the 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 like sigh slash moan he lets out is creepy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We we get a very similar effect to the very first scene of the first episode again, where once we see the severed hand, the radio program starts to distort and get all crackly and 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 spooky sounding. And now it's time for for the op and uh, and back in the action. Uh, Kira is walking down the sidewalk when he's approached by three ladies in retail worker uniforms. Yeah. Asking him to go to lunch with them. We, we will find out later that, that Kira's job, where he does so well for himself, uh, he works at the, the Kamehu. Yeah. That has been the center of so much recent action. <laughs> yes. He's carrying a briefcase with him or a little like messenger bag or whatever and he he very politely declines like i'm sorry i i'm i'm too busy i have these documents i i really have to deliver mm-hmm. you know you ladies have a nice lunch and then he he walks off and they're disappointed because they want to have lunch with the nice manager i guess mm-hmm. and so one of the other guys that works at the store is like ah don't worry about it me, me and the boys uh, invite him out for for lunch or after work drinks all the time he turns us down too and then he just starts giving his <laughs> yeah. coworkers their other coworkers' stats. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he turns into the narrator for like two lines. <laughs> so Kira is 33 years old. He's single. Uh, uh, and very importantly, he just leaves no impression with people. Quote, just kind of blah. Yeah, he, he says the times Kira has actually come out to hang out with them. No one can figure out if he's having fun or if he hates them. <laughs> he's, he's just really hard to read and he's just kind of bleh, yeah but he does have a lunch date he's going to to this uh lovely bakery for some pastries or something yes yeah, with, with the severed arm in his coat pocket yep he he's walking into saint gentleman's here uh which is a very uh it's a very popular like sandwich slash pastry place especially for the lunch rush so you got to get there early before all the good shit's gone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they do stuff fresh every day he's talking about this in the tone of voice that that yes a very self-possessed a, a, a very like appearances uh forward sort of uh finance bro yeah. would say when he's taking a lady out on a date you know oh the the real insiders know this place sort of tone yeah and he's just like he's talking to the hand and 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 acting like the his his quote-unquote girlfriend or wife or whatever is jealous because those three girls asked him out to lunch and he's reassuring like no 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 it's you know this is our special time that they're nothing to me you know don't be jealous so he takes the hand out so she can pick her own sandwich yes he's not a monster (laughs) and so he is holding this hand to stroke one of the plastic wrap sandwiches to to feel the warmth like oh this bun just came out of the oven to to feel the the firmness of of the bread it's stroking the plastic and then punctures the plastic and like the sauce of the sandwich leaks out and he licks it off of the dead fingers and says oh you naughty girl this is some seriously repressed sexuality yeah this oh man kira is so fucked up and weird and this scene straight up evil eroticism yeah this scene is so good at at showing how fucking weird and crazy this dude is. And like the next sandwich over in the case, like just to underline it is a gynecological diagram in the form of a sandwich. This is like, come on, come on now. Yep. 
Yep, it's it's very very clear. Like after he he starts like sucking the sauce off of the severed hand's fucking fingers, he goes, "Oh, what a shame! That sandwich is ruined. I guess I'll buy the one underneath it." And he just leaves the sandwich that's been poked with a dead lady's hand there for someone else to buy. You break it, you buy it, you freak! God damn! Oh my god! So yeah, he he buys a different sandwich, the one next to it or whatever. It's time for him to have a lovely. <laughs> A lovely lunch in the park. Yeah, he has a little picnic. He's leaning up against a tree. Uh, in his hand is a hand holding a sandwich. Yes, so that's how he eats the, the sandwich, with it in the hand that he's holding. Mm-hmm. Which, before we go any further, I have to bring this up. Uh, <laughs> a, few, a few episodes ago, I brought up how there was a really bad translation of the part four manga. Oh, okay, okay. And, you know, there was like, like that really funny thing that Ogiyasu said. I'm feeling your feelings deeply. Yeah. So probably the most iconic badly translated line, because keep, keep this in mind, this was, I think, the entire manga actually got translated by like a Chinese student or something for like an ink for like homework or a project for school or something like that and he eventually did the whole thing and for a while that was the only readily available english translation of part four (laughs) probably the most iconic weird translation is this scene here where kira is eating the sandwich out of this lady's hand severed hand where he says there must be no other place as pretty as this town what a beautiful (laughs) duang d-u-w-a-n-g Duang. What is that? I don't know. Mean. I don't know what a duang is. But what a beautiful duang is a thing that (laughs) pops up in the JoJo fandom a decent amount. Is it a English like spelling of a Chinese word that wasn't maybe that the student felt was untranslatable or at least untranslatable in their current studently skills? Maybe, but like a lot of the character names ended up being like straight up like Chinese names too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But. It must be. But back in the action, uh, as he, he is bringing the sandwich and the severed hand up up to his, his lips to enjoy lunch, hand's getting a little smelly. Yeah. He's got to give it like a little spritz of Febreze and decide like, mm, time to get a new girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, the fact that he's got a little spray just for his severed hands is ugh. He's been doing this for 15 years. 15 the man years. has a plan for every eventuality. Yep. So meanwhile, uh, there is a, a stray dog or, or some dog approaches and like, dog, you do not want this heat. Run away. Mm-hmm. Run away right mm-hmm. now, dog. Mm-hmm. And the dog does. Like, Kira, just with the power of a music sting and a glare, chases this dog away. <laughs> yeah, this dog gets scared and, and, and runs away. Meanwhile, like 10 feet to the left, Josuke and Okiyasu are, are hitting up Shigechi for a loan so they can buy lunch, <laughs> despite being recent millionaires. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both saying... Uh, you know we're we're really strapped for cash and and she gets she's like where the fuck did all your money go and it's just like well it's in the bank we're not gonna spend it yeah <laughs> it is easier to hit up the bank of shigechi than to just run over to the atm i guess yeah they, they want a thousand yen a piece mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they barely got like five bucks on them or something and they don't want to buy like the shitty little bento boxes they want they want the good shit and mm-hmm. shigechi does lend them each a thousand yen and then he plops down on the ground so he could pull out his accounting book to write down <laughs> some ious and while he's writing down the ious and like logging all of this he's like how do i spell their names 
<laughs> How do I spell the word lend? Yeah. <laughs> I love he's got this. He's like this little accountant guy now who, who lended money out, but he barely knows how to write. Uh, so he also has a bag from St. Gentleman. Everybody loves those sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And as he's writing out this IOU, we learn the precise date. Uh, it is June 24th, 1999. Yep. On this day, UN forces killed three gunmen in Kosovo. Whoa. And uh, it is the day before Fred Trump died. Busy day. <laughs> Or almost, almost busy day. But but yes, with uh, Shigechi's command of the written word, again, he is not in middle school. There's no way. Yeah. For one thing, middle schoolers in anime are always international sports stars, <laughs> or they're like globetrotting psychic warriors. Yeah, they're adults by this point. Shigechi even has a dad. There's no way he's a middle schooler in an anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as Shigechi is, is plopped down, like, writing these IOUs, he, he has let go of his St. Gentleman's bag. And so once he's done writing, oh, shit, the bag's gone. Where could it have gone? Th- that dog took his bag. <gasps> oh, man. So he looks around, he, he casts his eyes, and he sees a St. Gentleman's bag right next to a tree and figures, oh, that's my bag. I don't know how I got over there, but he goes and he takes it, not seeing Kira on the opposite side of that tree trunk. Yeah. So now this roly-poly pointy <laughs> boy has a severed hand with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, this is a very bad, unfortunate series of events that is happening. And so Kira immediately goes like, oh, fuck. Everything, everything that happens in this episode from here on out and all of the fallout that is sure to come. Mm-hmm. Could have been prevented if Kira decided to become a JoJo villain who does kill dogs. Yes. Oh, my God. The one time a dog was spared <laughs> and this happens. <laughs> oh, man. This is like if the, the elderly puppy from Switzerland ate the Stone of Asia and became supercars <laughs> instead of cars. The super dog probably could have killed Dio. <laughs> so, yeah, Kira is immediately freaking out. Because over the course of 15 years, he has never once left a clue for anyone to find. He has been the perfect serial killer. And and now, I mean, the perfect clue has gotten away from him. Yeah, because he's thinking to himself, there's that ring I just put on that hand this morning and my fingerprints are going to be all over that thing. And the instant they open that bag, the cops are going to get involved. They're going to dust that thing for prints and I'm going to be fucked. Everyone is really sure that the Morio Police Department can solve crimes <laughs> when the only one we've seen specifically refused to do anything about an assault he witnessed with his own two eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was preferential treatment. His daughter had to get out of jail for free. <laughs> I, I don't think we said it. Uh, specifically, but the reason the severed hand is in the sandwich bag is because in the moment that Kira turned to scare the dog away, he stuffed it in the bag so that it would be out of sight in case that, you know, looking at a dog (laughs) (laughs) caught anyone's attention. Yeah. Now Kira Kira is following Shigechi, keeping a, a little bit of a distance, but he's... Kira's a little different in that there's so many times throughout JoJo where when you're hearing a character's thought processes, they're speaking it out loud. Mm-hmm. Kira's the only character where you actually just hear his thoughts and he's not talking out loud because it wouldn't make sense <laughs> for a serial killer. So, <laughs> And that's why he's so overpowered. <laughs> yes, yeah. He's trying to figure out how to get it. Like, should he do it stealthily? Uh, should he just fucking attack Shigechi and just yank it? 
Uh, and he, he decides against that because it's going to call too much attention. He's got to find a sneaky way to steal this bag back. So he's following at a really close distance, an uncomfortably yeah. close distance, because eventually, you know, Shigechi meets back up with Josuke and Okiyasu. And as soon as he calls out their names, Kira, like, stops dead in his tracks, turns around and just tries to play it casual. Yeah. <laughs> as if that's not the most suspicious looking thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we've completely described what Kira looks like. I don't think we've described what Shigechi looks like from the neck down either. Yeah, small roly-poly, kind of a green student uniform, but he's got like big yellow balls lining it. Yeah, he looks like he should sound like a Christmas sleigh when he walks, <laughs> all these yellow balls along the seams of his uh, school uniform. Yeah, but but Kira is you know a very well-kept, clean, like salaryman-looking guy, blonde hair, uh, kind of a lavender, like light purple suit with a like pastel green button-up shirt underneath, with a kind of a deep red tie with a, a cool pattern on it with skulls on it. Yes, yes, like angry demon skulls. Yeah, if you squint your eyes a bit, he kind of maybe looks like an anime salary man version of David Bowie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as Kira is trying to figure out what to do here. And Shigechi bumps into Okiyasu and, and Josuke. Uh, Shigechi's just like, hey, you know, when you guys get lunch, how about you come hang out with me at my middle school? You know, I, I know mm -hmm. a really cool secret place to have lunch. We'll bust into the P.E. room. Yeah, yeah. Where all the equipment is stored and stuff. Because the P.E. office has a, a full, like, coffee and tea set up. Yeah. And none of the teachers take their lunch there. So you can just get free drinks. Yeah. Josuke and Okiyasu are just like, nah, no thanks. We're going to go get our own lunches. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out where exactly. They just got back from St. Gentleman's, which is sold out, of course. Yep. Uh, so they, they settle on going to the high school cafeteria to, you know, hang out with Koichi over Okiyasu's uh, uh, protest that he doesn't want to be a third wheel to those honeymooners love fest. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a previous episode when the English dub Okiyasu, yeah, it's when Okiyos, o o Okiyasu's crying and, and says that, uh, why is it Koichi that gets to play tongue hockey? <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, Okiyasu and Josuke go on their, they leave Shigechi on his own. So as soon as they're gone, Kira goes for a sneaky snatch to just rip the bag away. Yep. Uh, uh, but wouldn't you know it, Shigechi turns around in that moment, they bounce off each other, and Shigechi makes bouncy noises when he stumbles <laughs> yeah. around yeah shigachi just thinks oh oops you know my bad sorry to to bump into you no 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 big deal and then he just runs off and and with Kira's, a goofy little run yeah and kira's just like fuck the perfect murderer is now faced with the, the problem of outsmarting a greedy illiterate child <laughs> yeah he could just say i'll give you 50 bucks for it yeah that's it. It's true. If he knew that Shigechi liked money that much, he probably could have done that. And he's he already has the perfect lie. He knows that St. Gentleman's is sold out for today's lunch service. He's like, I was really counting on that. Here's 50 bucks. It's way more than you paid for that sandwich. Yeah. Shigechi is is running all the way to the middle school. Kira's getting real worried. You know, great. Now, now it's in a fucking middle school. This is even going to be even harder to grab this thing without, you know, catching the attention uh, of anybody, especially if the kid opens the bag first. So Shigechi is in his little hidey spot among all the PE equipment. And as he's about to, to dig in, 
so many near misses. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's how they ramp the tension. He almost sees the hand so many times. Yep. But uh, uh, the, the window slides open for Kier to hop in, and there's thunder booming uh, just to underline that window slide. It's very good. Yeah. So yeah, Shigechi is off in the side room about to make coffee. This child should not be drinking coffee. <laughs> no. He shouldn't. Kira is on his hands and knees, like slowly crawling. His hands are reaching slowly towards the bag. But oh shit, here come Okuyasu and Josuke. They've changed their minds. Everybody wants free coffee. Hey. Hey. They bought the shitty bento boxes they said they didn't want. And Shigechi is a little surprised to see them too. Quote, I can't believe you two actually showed up after calling me a stingy bastard. You're a couple of hypocritical pricks. <laughs> yeah. Who's teaching this child this language? Right? Goodness. And Josuke's just like, haven't you ever seen somebody just change their mind? <laughs> so they have a hostile friendship, but they still want to hang out. Too much tongue hockey, I guess. I guess so, yeah. So this whole time, you're wondering, where is Kira gone? Because they're not seeing him in this PE equipment room. It's a big stack of... The vaulting blocks. Yeah, the vaulting blocks. And they're all stacked up on top of each other. And so Kira has lifted some of those up and hopped inside it. Yes, he's inside the, the hollow space of the, the stackable vaulting blocks, and Josuke sits on top, yeah. sealing him inside. <laughs> yeah. So as uh, uh, this this trio is about to dig into lunch, like, Shigechi is taking their drink orders and yelling at Okuyasu for, for uh, having a gross one. You don't eat milk tea with a pork cutlet sandwich, you grosso. <laughs> Kira notices that there is a, a wire, like, a uh, clothes hanger, luckily, within reach. So he unwinds it and makes a little grabby hook to get the bag. Yeah, p- poking the hanger out through the, the small slots in between each little block. All underlined by an argument about what soy sauce is good and not good for. <laughs> yeah. Vis-a-vis sandwich options. Yeah, he, he threads the hanger underneath like the flap of the still closed bag and he lifts it up it starts he starts reeling it in but the weight of the hand is too great and the the sticker holding the the fold of the bag is too weak and so it it opens up and it it tips over and fingertips fingertips are just barely peeking out from over the bag yeah and so josuke the curious boy uh uh is like hey what what knocked that bag over? I'm going to come check it out. And Shigechi, the greedy little imp, is like, don't you dare take my good sandwich. Fuck you, Josuke. <laughs> yeah, he's very protective of his sandwich he thinks he has. And so Josuke is just like, fucking fine. Damn, okay. And while this argument happened, Josuke got up off of the vaulting blocks. Mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. And the argument was just long enough for Kira to re-thread the, the wire on the inside of the bag instead of, you know, through the closed loop and, and get it just close enough that he can pop out, snatch the bag inside his, his little hidey spot. Yeah. And now she gets she's pissed off because somebody made his sandwich disappear. This is <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> he, he is very mad. Kira has torn the group apart without really trying. Yeah, yeah. All it they takes, all hate each other right now. All it takes is just a, a, a sandwich to tear these three apart. Or really just tear these two apart from the one. Yeah, yeah. Just and Okuyasu are just like, what? What are you talking about? We have food already. <laughs> and, and so Shigechi is still really angry and like, I'm going to fucking find out what you guys did in my sandwich. And so he sends Harvest out to find it. 
And so some of harvest, some of the harvests wind up inside the blocks and they start like grabbing at the sandwich and Kira's freaking out. Mm -hmm. I don't think he can see harvest. It turns out I'm wrong, which makes me wonder if maybe Kira wasn't supposed to be a stand user yet. And then Mm -hmm. a decision was made like, nah, he already has his stand. But some of this dialogue implies that he's just seeing the bag dance around and is like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But but I guess the the intended reading now in hindsight is he's seeing little harvest bugs and like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. Just as the little harvest guys are about to start pulling this bag away, Kira doesn't notice them this first time because they, they just barely get uh, within reach when uh, a teacher barges in and goes like, hey, are there fucking kids in here? <laughs> And so they all have to they all have to cheese it before they get caught. They all scramble. They all escape. The the gym teacher is like, God damn it. I buy so much fucking coffee because of these coffee sneaks. <laughs> yeah. And so they all run away and it's just Kira alone in the room. And he is mm-hmm. he is overjoyed. He has you know, overcome this adversity. And he just walks right out the front door like he owns the place. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He's got his bag in hand thinking about his good luck and and how he makes good luck through bold choices. Yeah, he immediately starts talking to the hand again or thinking to the hand, you know, just like, you know, don't worry, honey, we're we're reunited once again. As he thinks that, Shigechi walks up behind him going like, hey, why do you got that sandwich bag? That's my fucking sandwich. So so Harvest tears open the bag, and the hand, of course, flops onto the ground. Yep. And Kira's like, ah, I see you also have a unique power. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time he has actually seen a stand. He thought only he had a, a unique power. Like many of the stand users encountered in part four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Shigechi is freaking the fuck out. He immediately gets defensive off a, a strong whiff of stranger danger. And you know what? Good good call. Yeah. Yep. 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 So uh, in order to, to combat that, in order to calm down this kid, because, you know, screaming kids att- attract attention. He wants to live quietly. We, we can't, that can't do. He just starts introducing himself even more than the guy uh, uh, in the beginning of the episode did. <laughs> yes. This is where we learn that, yes, he works at uh, the Kameyu, as seen in the previous episode and the one before that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kira, Kira's whole spiel here. Kira is kind of like an, an American Psycho style character or, or, or mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. stories like it. He always goes to bed before 8 p.m. He always stretches 20 minutes before bed so that he can wake up nice and refreshed he always gets a perfect eight hours of sleep a day drinks a glass a glass of hot milk before bed you know all these things that are just about the basic routine comforts day to day on a on a schedule yeah we get his whole nighttime routine his daily schedule and it is and how he he doesn't uh, uh seek out conflict that would interrupt you know the the perfect ideal life which he chooses to lead and like American Psycho is exactly the right call there, there's a whole genre of uh, horror stories and serial killer stories about how to be uh, the ideal image of uh, uh, what a person in modern society ought to be either requires a psychopath or will drive you to become a psychopath yeah uh, Yoshikage Kira is Black Swan for for uh, <laughs> uh, for office working men you know yes yeah 
Kira is a very different type of villain from Dio because Kira just doesn't want to be bothered by anyone. He yeah, want, he, yeah. He wants to have the, He has no great, you know, plans for world domination or anything. He's just a fucking freak who kills women, and he wants to be left alone to do that in peace. The last three parts, we've had two villains because, of course, there's a repeat, yep. and both of them wanted to, you know, conquer the world and exert their will and, uh, and dominance on on all of their lessers, and. Kira just wants to live quietly yeah. and kill people while he does it. But that's yeah. not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just has this bizarre, like, repressed sexuality that comes out in serial killing. Yeah. He, he views the world and life in general as being a hostile, miserable place. Mm-hmm. And that he has to put in work to like carve out his little bit of happiness in what is otherwise an, an awful existence. Remember that X-Files episode where a homeowners association creates yes. a trash tulpa or yes. whatever? Yeah. That's Kira. That's yeah. Kira. <laughs> yeah. Kira is willing to do whatever it takes to protect this quiet life he is he has created for himself. And while he starts describing this, he gets this evil smoky black aura around him and there's this close-up of just his eye and, like, the side of his face. And as the camera pans, very, very slowly, his stand starts to materialize. Mm-hmm, and you don't mm-hmm. get a good look at it for the first shot or two. But you just see, like, this, like, detailed, very scary-looking skull. And eventually his full stand materializes. It is Killer Queen. Or, as he says uh, uh, in the dub, Deadly Queen. Deadly Queen. That's another one that, no, no, no that, Killer that's Queen. no Dan of Steel. Killer Queen is so much better. Yeah. But Killer Queen. Named for the Queen song, of course. Yep. A lot of explosions in that song, huh? hmm Yeah. So, Killer Queen. I love the design of Killer Queen. The way I'm going to mm-hmm. describe it will make you picture it pretty well, but it makes it sound lame. That's not the case. <laughs> Imagine... If Mewtwo, the Pokemon, had a flat, yeah. a flat, featureless face, lost its tail, and became an MMA fighter. Yes. That is Killer Queen. It has these wide open, like, pink cat eyes that never blink, very small pupils, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very small mouth, otherwise featureless flat face. It is wearing gloves, shoes, and a wide belt. That's yeah. it. And, like, sports tape on its legs and arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's got lots of like these golden medallions on its gloves and its shoulders and in its belt of just like the the scary skull that is on Kira's tie. They coordinate. They're yeah. best friends. Yeah, man. So so our cliffhanger ending here to part one is uh, Kira threatening Shigechi's life so that he can get that good night's sleep that he wants every single day. Yeah. And that's the end. And we pick up immediately uh, in episode 22, Yoshikage Kira Just Wants to Live Quietly, part two. Uh, it begins with a brief recap of that threat of the the appearance of Killer Queen and its like horrifying skull visible beneath its face. Yeah, you see its skull before its face actually like materializes over it, uh, which is fucking cool looking. It's so so good, and so Harvest swarms them both, Kira and Stand alike, and is poised to cut Kira's carotid after Shigechi eventually remembers the name carotid artery. <laughs> yeah, he just knows there's some type of good artery to slice there if you want to kill somebody he does recall the word eventually but still not how to write the word lend this boy needs a lot of tutoring (laughs) kira and killer queen are both covered in in harvest 
and like several of the harvest are at his neck and they they like dig their hands into his neck a little bit he's bleeding they're they're ready to kill this dude at a at a moment's notice and uh now we see kira kind of on the back foot kind of at a disadvantage because this is the first stand he's ever seen besides his own he does not understand stand fights or stand interactions yeah uh, he, he's got to make it up as he goes along which is the position shigechi was in like two weeks ago yeah just by being friends he has gained an advantage over the perfect killer yeah, and like Shigechi is even spouting like some some know-how about stands cuz like he can tell, hey, this is like a fully humanoid muscular stand that looks like it can pack a punch. That must mean it's pretty short range. I'm just going to stay far away from you and let my harvest do its work. Mm-hmm. But Kira is he's still like keeping his cool. He's still confident that he can win the fight. He's so confident in fact that he's like I'm going to explain my ability to you. Uh, <laughs> and as he says that Shigechi notices that Killer Queen is holding a uh, 100 yen coin uh, in its hand. Shigechi's like, what the fuck is that? And has Harvest, you know, pull it out of out of Killer Queen's hand and bring it to him. And what it is, is a bomb. Because Killer Queen's ability is to turn anything it touches into a bomb. Yep. So we see it demonstrated when it explodes right in front of Shigechi's face. And it tears his face wide open. Yep. We have skipped dog violence and gone straight to child murderer. Yeah. That, that is how Kira works. Yep. And I love this. I love this ability so much because it is in exact opposition to Crazy Diamond. Yes. Right? Yes. Destruction versus repair. When, when, when you think about it, it's also like uh, something that can stop Josuke's healing ability because whatever he touches in a, is a bomb and Josuke has to touch things to heal it. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So that realization brings on the the OP. And meanwhile, some girls are just gossiping about Cinderella's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That That is what we cut back to, uh, uh, talking about uh, their promises and how oh, they can't possibly deliver on all that. Uh, and, and down on ground level, Shigechi has somehow survived, though his nose is sideways. Yeah, he is all fucked up. He is. He has this three-lobed gash going uh, across his face, dividing it into thirds. And yeah, he's fucked up real bad. Real bad. Kira, Kira is a little surprised that the bomb didn't completely kill Shigechi. I should also mention the way the bombs are detonated here. Whatever object has been turned into a bomb, Kira or Killer Queen basically mimic the act of holding a remote detonator and pushing a button there's nothing there but that motion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you hear a physical click when they do that motion that's what sets the bomb off kira approaches shigechi cold and calm as ever and he figures it's time to to close that disadvantage gap he's got to learn all about stands and specifically who has one what are their names what are their stands abilities mm-hmm. shigechi if you don't tell me right now i will kill your parents yeah and shigechi is just pleading that he doesn't want to die yeah because we've already got like that little bit of like shigechi talking very fondly about his mommy and daddy he always calls mm-hmm. them that and like how they call him his their special little man all that stuff the special little man is being faced with death for the first time in its life and it's his own and he does not like it, it it's fucked up shigechi he he puts it together shigechi is the first person to to realize oh shit you're the the serial killer that everyone is looking for you're the one who killed reimi sugimoto and that freaks kira the hell out yes like how does anyone know that name Uh uh (laughs) uh-huh 
So, so this puts him on the back foot long enough for Shigechi to summon Harvest and and escape. And yeah. as Kira sees, you know, some trailing Harvest bugs go around the corner of the building, he rushes off after him. But that's not where Shigechi is. Shigechi is indeed a special little man <laughs> because Harvest harvested a bunch of leaves and built Shigechi a fake shrub to hide inside. <laughs> yes. Like, Shigechi could be really smart when he wants to. Uh, they, they make this point in, you know, his two-parter. They keep bringing up how uh, every time he does something incredible with Harvest, they, they put it down to, like, his natural instincts yeah. as, as a young stand user. Yeah. Yeah, Kira has run off in a separate direction, and Shigechi immediately goes, I need to find Josuke and Okuyasu and tell them about this guy, and also I have to save my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so even though he's super messed up, he, he is climbing through windows get into into the school by using Harvest to essentially like push him up through the windowsill. And step one in all of these goals is to find Josuke and get himself fixed up. Yeah. Because he, he can't help anybody in, in the state he is in. So now we have this very small, bloodied and battered little little guy walking through the hallway. And eventually he's encountering students and he gets hit by a stray dodgeball and collapses to the ground. It looks like he is killed by this dodgeball. <laughs> he, he's on his last HP and this dodgeball is the, is the finishing blow. And these three girls go combine and, and see this bloodied little guy, this little ball on the ground and go like, oh, what? The, something's wrong with him. They don't seem to fully process that he's absolutely covered in blood and has holes ripped through him. Quote, I wonder what's the matter with the little guy. What do you think? What do you what think? Do you th- <laughs> what do you think? He either just got shot by a giant gun that shot giant bullets. Help him. And and so one of them does say, oh, maybe we should this go. This ain't Halloween. It's yeah. June. <laughs> one of the girls, one of the three girls goes like, oh, we should probably go get the nurse and help him. And then a third girl the coldest, heartless middle school <laughs> girl ever goes, no, he's kind of weird. We should just let him be. What are you doing? No, this is high school. That's the reason they don't want to help is because he's like beyond the sign that says uh, no middle schoolers beyond this right, point. Right, that's true. That's true. He is in the high school. He's a lawbreaker. He, he gets no support here. Yeah. And so Shigechi is, is able to prop himself back up and he, he stumbles towards... A classroom where Josuke and Okuyasu are hanging out in and like he's there he's made it he's about to open the door and as he puts his hand on the handle he sees in the reflection of the the, the window of the the door that Kira's right behind him yes yes it's so good it's so slashery yes yeah and there must be incredible soundproofing on these doors because Josuke is not hearing the screams of terror yeah Kira is explaining you know, he's never been caught. No one's ever going to be able to find me because no one will ever figure out my true identity. Sorry, kid. I already turned that doorknob you're touching into a bomb. And then click and an explosion goes up. It his travels arm, up his arm. Yeah. Tearing through his his muscles into his face leaving nothing but smoke behind in the end. You know how part four is the chill good times part? <laughs> yeah. We do funny dances. We worry about who wants to smooch who. Also, we watch a screaming child die twice. Yeah, so... And counting, by the way. Yeah, so it's it's not like explicitly said here, but after seeing two bombs go off in this episode, 
Kira's explosions can be silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you still get the sound effects and everything for dramatic effect, but like students in the hallway don't react to you know Shigechi exploding and getting utterly vaporized. There isn't anything left. Well, he's kind of weird, and a middle schooler shouldn't <laughs> be in this hallway anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it Shigechi gets vaporized. There's no trace of him left as he is screaming out Josuke's name. Josuke just barely reacts and goes like, whoa, wait, something really weird just happened. And uh, one last little harvest, the last remaining uh, uh, bug buddy, uh, runs up to Josuke and explodes, a- a leaving behind a button, a-, a coat button. Yeah, it just says, I got it, before it blows up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Okiyasu and Josuke are like, that ain't how stands work. That's not how they, they dissipate. Oh, shit. Our friend Shigechi died in an explosion. <laughs> yeah. They know something real bad is up and they immediately go to search to try and find Shigechi. And this cuts to the alleyway, the ghost the ghost girl alleyway mm-hmm. where, where Raimi resides. Arnold looks up and, and that gets Raimi's attention as she looks up and sees, yes, everybody has to see Shigechi die. We get to see it a third time as his soul is screaming into heaven while falling apart into chunks when his jaw falls off as his body is like turning into dust and ash it's fucked up it's messed up and like the the music that's playing here and stuff this is like a turning point in the show for it getting like way fucking darker it's like we waited way too long to have another murder in part four, <laughs> and they are just making up for lost time. Yeah, it is It is a brutal killing of a side character. Uh, and like the littlest guy, too. The even, littlest guy! He's a special little man! Even littler than, than Koichi. Like, goddamn. In, as he ascends into to heaven, essentially, we get a bird's eye view of different areas of Morio as we see every single stand user, either a main character or as a side character, has been beaten up and has changed their ways. They they all flash across the screen and they all gather in front of the Osin to converse with Raimi. Except Tamami. Lock guy is yes. not at this yeah, meeting. Lock guy isn't there, actually. <laughs> Even Slug Dad is there because yes. he is a stand user. We have not seen his stand, but Slug Dad is there. Yeah. But but Mr. Locks ain't. Yep. And they, they're handing Raimi a, a photo of Shigechi. Like, hey, did you see this kid? And like, yeah, she's confirming I saw him pass through. He was definitely killed by the killer that killed me. Yeah. I usually look for horrid stab marks in the back of their soul, but this one just kind of had a vibe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same guy. Yeah. Like old man Joseph is there too is there too with the invisible baby and that that baby's a stand user. That baby's yep. involved in this. Yep. And that leads to Joseph telling Jotaro like this absolutely has to be a stand user doing this shit now. Like, you know, what are we going to do about this? I kind of wish he was wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wish that uh, uh, Kira at this point just, like, stabbed Shigechi or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and got through uh, Harvest, this allegedly unbeatable stand with, with guile and, and his, his cold determination. Yeah. So that uh, uh, we do have to make a choice. Like, is this our jurisdiction? Mm-hmm. And then later see him get Killer Queen and develop that in, into something fearsome. Yeah. That would also be a cool escalation of like, hey, here's a guy who's a handful and impossible, almost near impossible to catch. And he's just a guy, mm-hmm. even with our stands. And 
then he gets a stand later like oh fuck convincing everyone it's their business being a challenge would have been fun to see i would love to see specifically josuke being like we gotta get this guy he killed a friend even without a stand if he's murdering stand users this dude is a problem we have to take care of yeah and uh jotaro being like nah hands off this 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 is mundane shit leave it to the mundane people and putting some friction between them yeah that would have been interesting for sure while they have confirmed that Shigechi has died, there's zero proof because he's just gone. Yes. They've already contacted Shigechi's parents and there's just like, they've only been able to file a, like a missing persons report for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a shot of like Shigechi's desk at school where all of his stuff is still at and he's got like he's scribbled little little drawings of his parents on them yeah in like scraggly little crayon drawings yeah he's six just he's say six. he's six please <laughs> he's six but now that there is less death in jojo's relatively mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure that's going to change but uh it leaves more room for grief yeah. which is something that jojo's doesn't mess with much like uh, and when they do, it's often like part three style, gritted teeth, uh, uh, and yeah. one manly tear. But no, it's just like there was a kid here, and now there's not. And there's a family that has to figure out what to do with themselves. There's a hole in this community. Yeah. And it's a very different mood. And you can see some of the different characters dealing with it differently. Josuke is uh, conflicted because he. Like, he tells Koichi he doesn't know if he should feel mad or sad, and he's really frustrated just feeling like he doesn't know how to feel or how to re- how to mm-hmm, properly, mm-hmm. properly react to this. And Okuyasu is wrecked because yeah. he's been through this. Yeah, he's been through this. Like, he, he just turns and silently walks away from the rest of the group and just leaves mm-hmm. with his dad. And yeah, it's, it's almost like he's reliving his brother's death. And other characters, other characters here who didn't know Shigechi as well are still like clearly disturbed and worried about what's happening. Not everyone here has the greatest like, you know, connections to each other or anything. These are all Mm -hmm. friendly stand users, essentially. And they're almost like putting together like a stand powered neighborhood watch. Essentially, yeah, yeah. This meeting also means that everybody knows each other. At least they've been introduced, right? Yeah. Except Tamami. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh but but there is one bit of important business uh uh still has that button and uh jotaro takes it and is like hmm may- maybe we can get something out of this it's a long shot but it's the only shot we have and yeah. this is the first actual clue to finding kira's identity in 15 years so you know what shigechi you done good yep you did more than anyone did in more than twice your lifetime <laughs> yeah and so, yeah, all, all the other stand users here are all basically, they're all basically just saying, okay, we're going to keep an eye out for anything suspicious. We're all going to try and keep our guard up so none of a, no one else gets, gets fucking got by this guy. And as everyone's kind of going their, their separate ways into like their smaller like cliques, uh, Josuke crosses the street at the same time Kira does. Mm-hmm. He's there. He's, He's fucking there. there. Like, was he taking notes? Did he think this is like a, a stand user meeting? Is yeah. what's what's up with that? Yeah, Kira notices that it's Josuke and o- Okuyasu there, and, mm-hmm. and makes note of that. But while he's you know going across the the road, uh, a woman catches his eye. There's two ladies dining outside at a cafe, 
and one of them is gossiping about the guy she's dating that she clearly hates. She yeah. does not like this man. She, she does not respect she him. She expressly says, I'm only dating him because his dad is rich and owns some land. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like showing off this ring that her boyfriend that she got hates. her. And she fucking hates it. And she's like showing it off to her her girlfriend here. And her girlfriend's just like, that only looks like it was like 150,000 yen. That's some cheap shit. But she's got pretty nice hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kira thinks to himself that she's got a rotten soul, but her, her face and hands are beautiful, and I can show her a good time. And so as this woman gets up and, and goes down the road, he's found his new target. I love the guy sitting behind these women at the cafe who's just trying to read his popular mechanics magazine in peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so as Kira decides he's got a new target, he bids farewell to his current love. He had already turned the hand in his bag into like a low-powered bomb, and he activates it, and it just dissolves. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he bids farewell, because it's, it's time for a new hand. And so we have a, a freeze frame as there is one of those classic stamps on the screen uh, mm-hmm. announcing Shigechi's death. Yeah. Right into our mid card presenting Killer Queen. Doing a crazy ass pose. <laughs> so, this is originally in the manga where the events of Yukiko Yamagishi Dreams of Cinderella take place. Yes. There's a several day time skip we're about to talk about. And so that that is where that story was. Yep. And in adaptation, they reordered things to. to squish things together yeah i think it's better to have that happen before all this it is now monday june 28th the day after chandler riggs of walking dead fame was born (laughs) wow okay the boy who would be carl is one day old during Mm -hmm. these events oh boy yeah it it is a a beautiful morning again the morning radio show is playing again it's kai harada and the camera zooms in on not kira's house but a what appears to be like an apartment complex or something where he is having a quick breakfast with his new hand friend. Yep. Yeah, he is he is having breakfast with her hand in her apartment. And after making breakfast and pouring coffee and stuff, he says, uh, "Oh, sorry, I'm going to be gone for a while today. I have some business to attend to, but when I get back, let's have a wonderful dinner together." As he just <laughs> strokes this hand that is wearing that ring from the previous scene. Uh, meanwhile, Koichi's angst has cooled into a sad paranoia. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's no longer doing superhero monologues. He, he's just he, he's in despair at his own feelings of not being able to trust anyone, looking over his shoulder, seeing suspicion around every corner, and he hates that. It's exhausting, and it's not the way he wants to live. Yeah, and so as Koichi is slowly walking down the sidewalk, uh, he comes across Jotaro, who is doing who detective he thinks shit. is super cool. And yes. he wants to hang out with him for once. Yeah. <laughs> Jotaro's clearly doing detective shit right now. And Koichi's just like, oh, wow, you're so cool. Are you doing, are you researching that button from the serial killer? <laughs> so he's, he's trying to figure out a way to get Jotaro to talk to him. A, a daunting task if there ever was one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's thinking about like, well, when I'm hanging out with Rohan, he won't fucking shut up. But this is totally different. How do I, how do I get this guy to open up? And like, ask him about fish. Talk about fish. Ask him about fish things. But mm-hmm. he doesn't ask him about fish. He just says, hey, I think that code of yours is badass. <laughs> yeah. And when he says that, Jotaro doesn't even hear it. Because they have stumbled upon a shoe store. 
In the days leading up to this, Jotaro has been going around every uh, uh, men's clothing store, every tailor, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to find matches for this button. And now he's uh, uh, down to other sorts of stores that will do alterations or clothing repairs. Yeah. And this shoe store uh, has a sign showing that, you know, it's, it's offering... It offers minor alteration repair services. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know what? We're, we're getting down to bottom of the barrel. Still no leads. Let's check this place out. So the shop owner is one of Morio's miniature men. <laughs> yeah, just a little guy. His haircut is Phoebe's hair from Friends, but uh, he's all gray. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And he keeps a big box of animal crackers on his desk, like a like a cereal box of animal crackers. Yeah, he, he offers it to Koichi because Koichi looks like he's six. Um, and he's like, hey, you can have anything but the giraffes. I like to keep those for last. <laughs> and Koichi says, no, thanks. And every time I see this scene, I think, what? If somebody offers you animal crackers, you take those. I fucking love animal crackers. <laughs> I will. I, if I had a bag of those right now, I'd go to town on them. Just saying. He can't, he can't keep himself from the giraffes. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. But jackpot. Uh, uh, Kira's jacket is here for a repair of, you know, that same missing button. <sighs> This shop owner, this fucking guy, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know he's dead, right? Everybody knows he's dead, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not spoiling too much, but he takes pride in the fact that he knows all of his customers by name. He has total recall of all of them, but he refuses to say the name. Not out of any sort of confidentiality, just because he wants to read it from the tag to show he's organized? <laughs> yeah. The, the shopkeeper seems like he's not entirely all there, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he seems like a little senile or something. He slowly goes over to Kira's jacket, which, by the way, earlier, after Shigechi was killed, Kira does notice that his button is missing, but he doesn't think much of it. He's just like, oh, man, lost it at some point. Oh, well, I guess I'll just have to get it fixed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, do- he doesn't think at first that button could be a potential clue. So the shop owner goes over to the jacket. He slowly peels the the uh, tag out from the collar. <laughs> he takes a moment trying to to remember how to pronounce the the characters on the tag. But <laughs> yeah. but you insisted you remember the man's name. You know everyone's t- just say the name. Yeah. He does not say the name. Instead, his head explodes. Yeah, his hand explodes, and he just looks at his hand. Half of it's missing. Uh, one finger is barely held by a thread and then it just falls off and he goes what happened my head exploded and that's not kira covering his identity no that's just some bystander frustrated at how long this was taking (laughs) yeah and so is this old man like fucking is just freaking out at the fact that his hand is half of it is missing there's a tiny tank on his shoulder yeah a tiny tank rolls up on his shoulder it's this little round blue tank with a skull on it much like the skull on killer queen and it speaks in very short blunt sentences with kira's voice and Mm -hmm. it it talks like sub-zero it just keeps saying over here or look over here (laughs) and you know koichi and jotaro see this little tank on this man's shoulders and they go like what the fuck is that and they're just like we got to keep our distance from this thing and and so the shopkeeper noticing, you know, everyone's gaze going over his shoulder, he looks down at his shoulder and he just sees the little tank treads on his, yes. the, his clothes because yeah. he can't see stands. And so the, this little tank drives over his shoulders and then launches itself deep into the old man's mouth. Yes. Meanwhile, on the other side of this door, like uh, uh, in the back room, there is Kira thinking to himself, 
Why have I been faced with nothing but adversity lately? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Says the child murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, he, Kira's, just his arm is poking out from the door, grabbing onto his, his jacket. Or, uh, both Koichi and Jotaro can see this this arm and go like, fuck, that's got to be the serial killer. Uh, and they, they want to go get him, but... And my favorite detail is that Kira did not come here to fix the button just to fix the button. He fixed the button in order to flush out any especially determined detectives who are trying to track the button. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so Jotaro, with his finely honed Columbo senses, has an inkling that, you know, this hand reaching out to grab the coat is a trap. And so he stops Koichi from rushing forward in in order to blow the case wide open. Like, this is not the time. Yeah, because this little tank has started ticking like a like a like a clock and as jotaro grabs koichi like whoa hold the fuck on he he turns around and shields koichi as this little tank fucking explodes mm-hmm. and that's our cliffhanger that's a clip uh the next episode is not yoshikage kira uh, uh just wants a quiet life part three no it's a brand new story but there's a cliffhanger anyway yep i guess because of what we mentioned earlier with, with the manga, the, this bit, this uh, uh, post-title card part probably is part of uh, the the chapters attached to the next story. Yeah. And that story will be called Sheer Heart Attack Parts 1 and 2. Yep. I, I have been waiting so long to get to episodes 21 and 22 because this is like <laughs> when the real shit starts. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is when things get darker. This is when the main antagonist really comes in, in into you know, the forefront. I love Kira. He's a very fun, different villain to have compared to the Pillar Men and Dio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kira's abilities are going a little fast. Like, it's the first time, the first episode where uh, we see uh, uh, Killer Queen active, Killer Queen already has a second power. We're, we're getting star-fingered pretty quick. Yeah. It gets introduced quickly, but then does get a explained from what i remember so Mm -hmm. you eventually get comfortable with it but yeah there is a bit here where kira mentions like he's grabbing the the coat he mentions bomb type two so yeah he has more than one type of bomb but i'm the guy who says he shouldn't even have a stand at this point so what do i know (laughs) yeah Yeah. also kind of different in that compared to dio we're also seeing his abilities straight away it isn't a secret and and again it's a complete a uh, flip where Dio and uh, uh, Jotaro secretly had the same power. Kira and Josuke have diametrically opposed opposite powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I really like these stretch of three episodes. Basically, every stretch of three episodes, part four, I like. But uh, <laughs> any of the Kira focused stuff, I really like just because he's a he's a very fun, very bad man. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of fun stuff at the same time. Like just imagining. Every other person out on the sidewalk that day when Slug Dad is is walking to Ghost <laughs> yeah. Alley. Yeah, he's just out in out in public. <laughs> and Okiyasu wandered off alone. Someone else has to get Dad back home. <laughs> yeah, it was probably Koichi. He he's he's a bro. Oh yeah, t- totally. Ko- I'm, I'm sure Koichi does babysitting for for the weird dad sometimes. <laughs> The only thing in uh, the the Cinderella episode that is not explained by just the 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 placebo effect 
getting uh, Yukiko to actually talk <laughs> and invite the boy she likes to go sit and, and have a, a, a snack together. Mm-hmm. Is Koichi's weird timing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's Cinderella's secret power. Uh, uh, it doesn't attract people. It just puts a, a clock on other people's guts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's like Invisible Baby where everyone in a certain radius just gets really bad diarrhea all of a sudden. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I like the Cinderella episode just because it's a weird JoJo take and like a fairy tale, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fun. It's very exciting for Kira to get fully introduced, man. It's He is so fucking weird. <laughs> It would have been pretty interesting, though. Uh, uh, like, yeah, you, you couldn't do it and fit it in television episodes. The the way they rearranged it mm-hmm. is a good call. But in the original order to have a little, just, yeah, one, one of our fun, goofy adventures in that couple-day time skip. Right, yeah. And I'm also always interested, like, in how part four, especially with the ser- serial killer stuff, like, has some detective work going on and does have a bit of a mystery going on. But you get to see a lot of the serial killer like it's not a mystery who it is yeah 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 um like like the mystery is how you catch him not not yeah it's not who done it it's uh how you're gonna stop him yeah which is a very long word uh, <laughs> when you take the spaces out but that is like particular like japanese mystery uh thing right i think so but yeah like the part four like chooses the route of not having the who the serial killer is be a mystery because the show really wants the serial killer to be a character that gets a lot of time spent on, uh, like just as much as the protagonist, really. But I, I kind of like it for that because all the shit that goes on with Kira is just so fucking weird. The deductive reasoning fiction, the, the detective fiction genre, mm-hmm. uh, as it is idealized in uh, uh, Japan, is all about knowing the killer but following the investigation. Ah, right? okay. It, it's Interesting. One, one of its central facets is that sort of um, narrative irony, right? Yeah. Uh, th- think of how many uh, Phoenix Wright cases, you know who killed them. It's just how, <laughs> yeah. how's Phoenix going to prove it? Yeah, totally. I kind of like that format sometimes because it, it helps build up a lot more like um, catharsis when this this bastard that you know who did it mm-hmm. finally gets their comeuppance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the benefits from that, I think. While uh, the, the Western detective genre is, is much more invested in uh, the mystery because uh, you're supposed to play along with the detective yeah. in, in many strains of detective fiction, at least. The, the fair mm. play mystery is not as all-encompassing as some people might want to say, but it's it's certainly in there, definitely. Yeah. I am really looking forward to, now that all of the stand users know each other, mm-hmm. just the, the chance for them to have fun hangout adventures yeah. in combinations that before this couldn't happen because they were never introduced. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to like hanging out with Grandpa and who's going to be frustrated by Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the stuff with Yukako and, and, and Koichi, it's kind of fun to have some relationships throughout the show. They're actually changing and developing a little bit. They, they mm-hmm, aren't mm-hmm. super static. But yeah, I am, I am very excited for next week's podcast. The, these, next, these next many episodes are all very good. So yes, next week we will be back with uh, two episodes to talk about Sheer Heart Attack Part 1 and 2. Yeah, until then, let other people know about this show. That's how mm-hmm. little podcasts like this grow. And If you happen to work for uh, a, a podcast network, maybe tell your boss. Maybe that's someone <laughs> you should tell. 
Maybe, yeah. What if this show wound up on Earwolf? That's all I'm saying. What if? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, what if? Things happen. More people need to hear us talk about JoJo. I think we have some fun things to say about it. <laughs> but yeah, until then, see you later, everybody. To be continued. Twitter now thinks that I am obsessed with the singer named Jojo. <laughs> Dude, those tr- Twitter trends are so bad at figuring out what you're actually into. Right? This thing thinks I have been obsessed about Bloodborne for like 18 months. And like, that's a good game. But I'm not thinking about it at the amount it thinks I am. It keeps thinking that I'm into other like uh, Sunrise or, or Bandai franchises. Twitter wants me to become a Saint Seiya fan. Okay, yeah. And get into Pretty Cure. And like, I, <laughs> I kind of don't want to though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, at least you're getting rec- recommended stuff that's like adjacent. Like aside from Bloodborne, <laughs> I'm getting fucking fucking Netflix movies and shit that I have never even heard of. I don't know what it's pulling from. <laughs>